0: ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Elmore deep, left side three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. We're coming to you today from our Monday destination, that is the Union Pub and Grill. We are at 1125 4th Avenue in Huntington, where, of course, every Monday is the legendary Monday special with a fifty bottles, $2.00 call shots, and, of course, you got the best service in town. Taylor's taking good care of us today here at the Union Pub and Grill. We invite you to come out as well. I'm sure you can find something to get into as far as all the big screens they've got. Every single sports channel you want, we've got you covered here at the Union Pub and Grill. So welcome in. You're listening to the Monday edition of The Drive. Fun show planned for you. So coming up a little bit later on, we're going to talk martial basketball, but in a different way. One of the teams that would be contending for the Conference USA Championship and basketball would be Middle Tennessee. Well, they lost several of their key players a few days ago, so we're going to talk to Eric Bacharach from the Daily News Journal in a few minutes. He's going to give us an update on what's happening with the basketball program. That roster is not going to look anywhere near what it looked like a few months ago. They're going to have a whole new team just about. They'll have some returning players, but they're not going to have the potency that they had just a few months ago. So he's going to join us on the program. And, of course, we're going to open up the phone lines for you at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Got a lot to get into. Uh, I think we'll start, though, with uh, what happened a few days ago. Now, you know the green and white caravans going around, the Marshall Caravan, going to different destinations. And the point of this is, of course, to get fans fired up, get the alumni fired up, the donors, get everyone who's involved. And these are big, important events because, well, you're trying to re-energize that fan base. You're trying to re-energize the people who give and donate to your program. Well, at one of these events, um, the word baseball park came up again. So, Mike Hamrick, talking about a baseball park. This isn't new. We've heard this conversation before in different forms. Be it, okay, we need to find a uh, location, we need to get the money. Yeah, there have been so many different discussions. And so, Mike Hamrick, he definitely was not kidding around, when he was in Princeton last week. He was at the Big Green Coaches Tour, and he said at that tour that we have built $45 million worth of facilities in the last nine years, and hopefully in the next three or four, we build another $30 million worth of new facilities to give our student-athletes a great opportunity to be successful. And he says that we have some things on the burner right now. Now... What would that be? What would be on the burner for the Thundering Herd? Well, there's, of course, a baseball stadium that came up. So he alluded to another capital campaign coming up, and in the near future, that could raise funds for a baseball stadium. Of course, you know already the Caminition Center is getting a new $1 million video scoreboard. That's coming in August, and he's probably gearing the fan base up right now to begin donating again to raise money to give fans what they want. I've heard so much about a baseball park. It's been the longest-running joke at Marshall. Not to any one person's fault. It's just it has never gotten off the ground. And now he's making allusions to the fact that there's going to be another campaign. We're going to be raising funds to take Marshall to the next level, and a baseball park is part of that. And if that's the case... I think everyone who has ever complained about Marshall not having a baseball park should write a check right now. If you have complained at one time in your life that Marshall does not have a baseball park, a home baseball park, then open up your checkbook, write it down, however much you want to give, and give it to Marshall in whatever amount for that baseball park. Now, I didn't hear anything about maybe a joint venture with the city of Huntington. And I know there's been conversations, or at least there has been talk, that maybe this should be a public-private venture. Maybe you should have a baseball facility that would include minor league baseball. And I hope that still is the plan. That is something I think would be completely viable for Huntington because you would have a facility that would get used by a minor league baseball team and Marshall. Now, Marshall might just want their own facility. Marshall might just be tired of waiting to get something like that off the ground. And I would hate to see a lesser facility. I don't want a facility that is lesser. I want something that is equal to or better than what's in Charleston and Morgantown. I would not accept a lesser facility. Because you've got an opportunity here to build a real first-class baseball facility, something that you could use to attract a minor league baseball. And, of course, you could use that as a bargaining chip to maybe bid on the state tournament. There are so many options. You know, you want to host a regional. Whatever the case may be, you need to build a first-class facility. And I don't know how much that's going to cost. And is it going to make sense to do something that will include a private entity or a minor league baseball organization doing something that's going to, one, give people Marshall baseball, and two, you've got minor league baseball that can take you the rest of the way. I mean, how great would it be on a, on a Thursday evening, a Tuesday evening, a Wednesday evening, you know, just go down to the ballpark and watch some baseball. I mean, you would get a chance to do that with Marshall. Marshall would have a better control of its schedule and be able to control most of its destiny. You know, you, of course, work. If you have a minor league baseball team, you want to work with them as well. And I think you could, depending on who's the primary and who's the secondary. And then I think maybe Marshall's looking at, okay, we're just going to build a facility. We're going to put together a world-class facility. We're going to control this. No longer will Marshall baseball be anybody's joke. These young men who have struggled for years, who have gone out, put their very best foot forward to play the best baseball they can for Marshall, will finally have a facility of their own. I mean, it's embarrassing, really. Again, I'm not pointing fingers at any one entity at Marshall or the city of Huntington, but it's just embarrassing that Marshall and the city of Huntington do not have a baseball park. This is something that we have talked about for years. I have talked about it until I'm sick and tired of talking about it, and I'm still going to talk about it because I have to push on. It has to happen. This needs to be something that is a priority. If there's going to be another capital campaign, and I think Mike Hamrick's priorities are in the right place. He wants to get that thing built. And so if it's going to be a partnership with the city, if it's going to be a partnership with a private entity, all the better. If it's not, then get it built. Just build it and finally have some worthy facilities of having a Division One baseball program. So that's what's coming up. In the near future, hopefully, we're going to hear more about that, I'm sure, in the weeks and months to come. Right now, though, I think what's happening is you've got your athletic director out talking to the fans, talking to the alumni, talking to the people who donate the money, and just getting them ready, priming them a little bit, saying, look, this is what's on the horizon. We've got to make it happen. Be ready. We're going to have another capital campaign. I mean, look what the vision campaign has done. I think the indoor facility has benefited maybe the rest of Marshall athletics more so than the football team. I don't know if you could take away that facility and have the same level of success you've had as of late for some of these programs, football, everybody's got an indoor facility. So you need the facility to keep up, but You can do so much more with it, and I think it's really helped the other sports. Not all of them, obviously. You don't have an analog for some of the sports to go in there and use that facility, but you get an indoor practice facility. You can do things in the off-season. You can do things uh, in the wintertime when you can't get out. It helps track, immensely helps track, and I hope to see track grow as well. We'd like to see track finally grow, and we have outdoor track, not just indoor track, outdoor track as well. That's another wish, but baseball comes first. We turn our attention to Conference USA basketball. When we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit to Eric Bacharach. We're going to get updated on what's happening with Middle Tennessee. And of course, later on, we'll take your phone calls. We're coming to you today from the Union Pub and Grill, 1125 Fourth Avenue in Huntington, where today, the Monday special which is always happening on Monday. $1.50 bottles and $2.00 call shots. Take advantage of that special now here at the Union Pub and Grill. More on the way. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're coming to you today from the Union Pub and Grill. We invite you every Monday to join us. It is 1125 4th Avenue in Huntington. And, of course, as always, best service in town. Taylor's going to take good care of you. She will be here until probably close, if not after, to take good care of everyone here who will see you today at the Union Pub and Grill. Let's, um, let's turn our attention now to basketball. Now, one of the teams that was supposed to be a serious contender for the Conference USA Championship – coming up within Middle Tennessee. I think you can put them, Western Kentucky. You can also put Marshall and a couple other teams in that group. That would definitely be fighting for the top spot. Well, things are changing drastically for Middle Tennessee, and to give us a little bit more insight on that so we can sort of figure out what's going on, it's Eric Bacharach. He now joins us on the program. And, Eric, of course, you cover Middle Tennessee all year long. And have you ever so crazy like this that uh, all of a sudden uh, all of your best players are either transferring or dismissed in such a quick time frame?
1: No, Paul, I, I really haven't. Um, the turnover is just, uh, I mean, as you just alluded to, it, it's quite remarkable, um, especially when you compare, you know, what this team had last year on its roster versus uh, what it actually has right now. Uh, you know, if, if you go onto to uh, MTSU's website, there's there's seven players listed there, um, three of which, only three of which, uh, had more than eight minutes per game last year. None of those three uh, averaged more than four points a game. So, um, you pretty much bring back uh, a group with with no experience, uh, no to little experience. Uh, you know, you've got a new coaching staff, uh, and pretty much all the leadership from a year ago uh, is gone, either to graduation or, uh, you know, as, as you just mentioned. Uh, We've had a flurry of trans- transfers uh, in the past week for players who figure to be, uh, you know, prominent members, prominent uh, contributors this upcoming season. Antoine Johnson was probably going to be uh, the team's leading scorer or, you know, was poised for that role. He um, had Tyreek Ditson who started, you know, probably 95% of uh, MTSU's games at point guard the past two years. He was going to be a junior this upcoming season. Um, so you, you just lose a lot of talent. Uh, and, you know, for for Nick McDevitt, the new coach who was hired here just a couple months ago, uh, you know, this is obviously the way he's got to look at it. You know, it's a chance to – now he's he's got a chance to build his program his way. I'm sure this is a you know, the circumstance he wanted for it. But, um, you know, there's, there's really no positive way to spin sort of the start that um, has, you know, sort of just transpired, you know, his first couple of few months.
0: So – what started all this what was the first domino to fall that make all this happen
1: well you know uh, when this first happened uh friday uh is when we had three players um uh, within minutes of each other uh, announced that they were going to transfer um before that a couple days earlier you had david simmons um this sort of uh, quintessential x-factor of the bench for mtsu you know only averaged about five points a game but uh he was he was a really important piece for them. Uh, you know, played big minutes in a couple of really big games down the stretch for them. Uh he announced that he was gonna transfer earlier last week. Uh he said he cited playing time and um, you know, uh, looking for a bigger role as is, is his reason for that. Um and that, you know, at the time seemed like an isolated incident and then, you know, a couple of days later you have three guys all at once uh announced that they were gonna transfer and um, you know the initial reaction to that is uh you know, oh my God, why are all these guys um believing what about the program is uh you know forcing their hand and making them want to look elsewhere and then uh just about an hour or two later m t s u released um a statement from from Nick McDevitt that said uh you know the players have been dismissed for for violating um team policies university policies um you know, so when you look at that, it's, it's obviously, you know, I spoke with McDevitt that day and he said those were hard choices that he had to make. Um, you know, obviously it's for the program. He said that it's, uh, you're, they're losing a, a, a good deal of talent. It's in no way a, a good thing for the program, but it's something that he felt he had to do because of, of the culture he's trying to cultivate there, you know, as a, uh, a first year coach, uh, you know, uh, to him, he said it was it was pretty much a no-brainer that, that these decisions had to be made. So, um, you know, when you look at that, uh, I think all of it uh, combines. Uh, you know, you look at what this team was last year, a perennial contender um, coming into a year in which they were the favorite, uh, going into the Conference USA Tournament, they were the favorite. And even when they were knocked out early uh, by Southern Miss in the first round of the Conference Tournament, they were thought uh, to potentially have a chance to, um, you know, earn a, a, a large bid since the NCAA tournament. You look at this year's team, this upcoming season's team, uh, and it's just its a shadow, if that, of, of its former self, pretty much unrecognizable from last year's group. Uh, and, I, I mean, right now I don't think you could put them up there with, you know, the Marshalls and the Western Kentuckys, just with what those teams have um, coming back talent-wise and, and, you know, just how many question marks are surrounding MCSU's team right now I mean they, they only have nine players on scholarship they still have to go out and you know get a couple more guys um so there's there's a lot of work to be done and uh you know there's there's a lot of question marks that um really will only be answered once the season starts
0: Eric Bacharach joining us from the Daily News Journal and I guess my question is what was so bad what did they do do we know uh that precipitated all this change
1: yeah, those details we're still working on to find out, um, you know, just from speaking with McDevitt, uh, whatever it was, it was something that, uh, you know, he it forced his hand. Uh, you know, obviously, he, he didn't want to be in a position where he had to let go of um, or dismiss uh, who was probably going to be their top scoring option in Antoine Johnson, um, you know, and, and Davian Thomas, the other player, dismissed, uh, you know, he... Didn't have a significant role last year, but, you know, he was a redshirt, redshirt freshman. He was poised to, to take on a, a much bigger role this year when you consider uh, what MTSU lost to graduation. They lost uh, Brandon Walters, uh, Kitty Potts, uh, Nick King, who was Conference Tuesday Player of the Year, and Ned Simpson, four seniors that were starters that, uh, you know, talent wise, for how good MTSU has been, you know, the past few years, that, that group uh, might have been the most talented. Uh, you know, of, of the recent MTSU teams that have fared well. So, uh, you know, just losing that alone uh, was going to be a huge blow. And, and Kermit Davis even uh, referred to sort of what was going to happen MTS, for MTSU this upcoming season as, as a rebuilding thing um, during his, his last post-game press conference with, with MTSU before he left for Ole Miss. Uh, so, you know, it was going to be an uphill battle for Nick McDevitt and his staff, you know, from Jump Street. but You know, then you consider you lose David Simmons, and then a couple days later, you lose these three guys um, again uh, for uh, violating what they called uh, university and and team policies. Uh, And on top of that, you know, MPSU also lost uh, what was arguably the best signing class uh, of of probably the past two decades. Um, There were three members of that, all from Georgia. uh, and, And when Kermit Davis left, all those guys. Asked for and were were granted their releases, so um, you know they were they were poised to replenish the talent that they lost uh, with all those graduating seniors, uh, with with that really impressive 2018 signing class. But all those guys are gone too, so uh, you know from the start it was going to be an uphill battle. But you know things have only gotten rockier, uh, you know as as we've gotten a few months into Nick McDevitt's tenure.
0: Eric, what's been the fan reaction? Um, I know I'm sure there's a lot of fans who maybe aren't on board with this others maybe are looking at this for the good of the program where's that reaction fall or is a little bit of both
1: yeah i think it's i think it's split um i certainly think you've got you know people looking at all this and and thinking the sky is falling uh, just with you know so much uh, with so much that that has gone wrong just within the first couple of months but you know then there there are other people that are you know looking at this like there was only so much McDevitt could do. Uh, you know, it's natural for uh, a, a signing class to, to want to explore their options after uh, a coaching change. Uh, you know, uh, MTSU was going to lose those players to graduation. Uh, obviously, uh, those four that I mentioned, uh, and then when you look at uh, the recent uh, dismissals, uh, you know, he, he did what he had to do. Uh, a lot of people are looking at that as you know, he's putting his foot down early. Uh, kind of making a statement of sort uh, and some fans appreciate that some fans are you know looking at the fact that they lost a really significant chunk of talent and wondering where this team is going to be you know in a few months uh, when the season gets going so I- I'd say split reactions um, again uh, I-, I think a lot of people are still kind of uh, willing to give this thing you know more than just a couple of months to see how it plays out Again, he was just hired in March and, um, you know, th- certain things were out of his hands and then certain things were or kind of just the nature uh, of college basketball at this point with players looking for transfers and, and um signing classes, looking elsewhere after, after a coaching change. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a mix between, um, you know, just sort of wanting to give McDevitt more time and, uh, you know, reacting to, to the fact that they lost a big chunk of talent and, Um, being unsure of of how good this team is going to be next year.
0: Eric Bakerex, our guest from the Daily News Journal. And I guess um, the the question now is, do we know where the transfers are going to land? Is there any indication of where this trio might go? Are they going to try to package themselves together? Are they uh, just going their separate ways? What do you think is going to happen?
1: Yeah, you know, um, Antoine and Davian are really close. And, And in fact, those two players... Uh, when they announced on Twitter that they were transferring, they had the same exact message verbatim, uh, you know, in which they didn't really say much, just that, uh, you know, they thanked uh, MTSU and Referee for the memories and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, then they said they were going their separate ways. But, uh, you know, after, after sort of being dismissed, um, it'll be interesting. Uh, right now I've, I've got no indication of where they're going. Um, to my knowledge, all this sort of came to light recently within, you know, the past, uh, I guess two weeks or so, uh, you know, so I'm sure for them it, it's kind of, you know, they're at the point where they're figuring everything out still. So, um, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they land. Antoine Johnson is, uh, you know, like I've said, he's a premier scorer, uh, get to the lane he could recreate his own shot he, he averaged about 10 points a game last year and that was with uh, you know a really loaded MTSU roster with a lot of depth uh, i think he was poised to average uh above 15 points maybe 17 or 18 for mtsu this year honestly so uh whoever picks him up is going to get a steal uh, and then Tyreek dixon you know he's a guy with uh, a lot of experience at point guard for mtsu you know toward the end of the year uh, Kermit Davis was was kind of favoring Donovan Sims, a freshman at, at point guard, uh, but it was it, you know for the most part it was kind of a timeshare between the two of them. Uh, so you know Dixon will be a valuable addition uh, as well. And, and then as I said about uh, Davian Thomas, a guy with uh, not a whole ton of playing experience, but uh, he he was poised to sort of take the next step for MTSU this year. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to see where all these guys land. Uh, hard to say right now as far as specifically where they might go, but uh, there are three, uh, you know, varying levels of, of talent there that, uh, you know, would be valuable addition to, to any program.
0: See, Eric, I was hoping you would give me a scoop and tell me that uh, Marshall's Dan D'Antoni was uh, in contact here, just to, because if I'm, a, <laughs> if I'm a Conference USA school right now, I'm I'm on the phone, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if, if you could scoop up some of these guys and, uh, you know, turn... Uh, weapons uh, against it the next year. Uh, But yeah, I mean, mean, kind of just looking at where MTSU is now, it's it's just remarkable, you know, year to year, Um, sort of the expectations. Uh, It's hard to say what the expectations are right now, just because there's so many question marks, so many unknowns, so many players that, you know, right now we don't even know what the roster is going to look like in a few months, just with, you know, a couple more guys that they have to sign. So, uh yeah, I mean, uh, around the conference, uh, like I said before, I, I think uh, MTSU is, you know, a clear uh, couple steps behind Marshall in, in Western Kentucky right now.
0: Eric Bacharach is joining us from the Daily News Journal. Uh, we're recapping uh, what has happened to Middle Tennessee with the, the loss of um, not one but three of their key players for the upcoming season. And on top of that, things just got a little harder in Conference USA because the new scheduling format, after a certain point, the standings are locked into pods, and then middle's got to go on the road and play at home the best teams depending on where they're at they're in that upper pod. So uh, it right. just got harder in Conference USA. So uh, that's a, almost a, a, another blow for uh, for anybody trying to get to the top spot or at least make a serious run early on in this tournament because, well, You know, we we all depend on those last-minute games. Okay, maybe Middle can win these last two or three. Marshall can win these last two or three and eke their way up. And now um, you got to win early and often just to be in the top echelon uh, when they lock the standings.
1: Right. There's a lot less room for for error for a team like NCSU when you want to get in that top tier. Uh, So, yeah, So I guess um, sort of unfortunate timing with that. Uh, You know, I I know – uh, on the whole, I, I think uh, you know people are looking at this like it's it's obviously an innovative thing that uh, you kind of say. Obviously, it's it's geared toward giving the top teams uh, a better RPI, uh, and then you look at what happened last year with uh, you know a bunch of teams. I think it was three teams, including MTSU, uh, in, in in something like the top 70 of the RPI at the end of the year, and, and none of them made the the tournament uh so you say how much could something like this help but uh it, it's obviously encouraging to see the conference do something uh or, or you know think along the lines of, of just being innovative to, to try and i guess move the needle uh at least somewhat to try and you know help those top teams uh with a better shot at the end of the year but uh, i mean if you're mtsu it's, it's, a sh- it's pretty much a shorter season to try and uh just get in that top tier because you know those last four games uh pretty much a, a tournament unto themselves, uh, with, with, uh, you know, the, the top couple of teams playing against each other. So there's going to be less room for error for MTSU early. Uh, they're going to have to play well, uh, you know, those first few weeks of the season first seven weeks, whatever it is. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's less margin for error. Uh, and, uh, you know, that the non-conference season is going to be really important for MTSU, especially this upcoming season, not even, you know, I think from, uh, boosting their RPI and, and that sort of thing, which which obviously it is, but just with meshing and uh, kind of coming together as a unit because this is going to be a team that, um, you know, doesn't have a lot of prior experience, in-game experience with each other. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. You know, the, 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 uh, the scheduling change is just another wrinkle, and um, I think I would agree right now uh, probably not uh, in MTSU's favor just given, uh, you know, the fact that they'll have less margin for error.
0: Eric is our guest from the Daily News Journal. Before we let you go, Eric, um, it's kind of curious. So with everything that's going on now, football, of course, is going to be its own thing. But with the basketball brand, do you think this is just going to be a road bump, or is this going to be really damaging to the brand? You think?
1: Uh, it, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, you know, to me, I think it'll be uh, maybe a little bit of a retracted speed bump um i don't think it's going to completely derail the program by any means um but i mean it 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 certainly takes a hit to some extent i think because they're not going to be uh you know they're not going into the season as as the top team like they have been the past few years uh you know so they're going to be one of the you know hopefully uh top few teams fighting for it but uh when you look at what kermit davis had sort of established the past few years they were sort of the team to beat in conference usa and with that came, you know, all the talk of national brands and uh, making a tournament. Uh, but I, I think it's just a natural thing for uh, the program to hit a bit of a speed bump, you know, in light of a coaching change, in light of losing uh, for crucial seniors. And then, again, you throw in, in the fact that they're losing a lot of depth with, with everything that's happened in the past week. Uh, I, I think it takes uh, certainly takes a little bit of a hit, but, you know, uh, I'd probably call it more of a speed bump now, yeah, you know, until we get into the season we kind of have a clearer picture of, of exactly what this team is going to look like.
0: Eric Bacharach, our guest, you can follow him, of course, on Twitter at Eric Bacharach. He covers Middle Tennessee. Eric, thanks for talking to us again. It's uh, been good to catch up with you and uh, let's hope that uh, everything is uh, going well here in the future. Uh, that is Eric Bacharach, uh, covers Middle Tennessee and, of course, it's an interesting story right now. You look for stories in the summertime to cover if you're a sports writer or a broadcast journalist, and sometimes uh, you get them delivered right in your lap. Unfortunately, it's not a good story right now for Middle Tennessee, but definitely one worth following. We'll take our next time out. We'll come back, and we'll rejoin you here from the Union Pub and Grill, where today it's $1. fifty bottles, $2 call shots, every single Monday at 1125 4th Avenue in Huntington. It is the Union Pub and Grill. More on the way. This is The Drive on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're coming to you today from the Union Pub and Grill. Every Monday we are here for $1.50 bottles, $2.00 call shots, and, of course, the best service in town, Eleven twenty-five, Fourth Avenue in Huntington. Always appreciate the folks here at the Union Pub and Grill taking good care of us and hosting us on Mondays. Welcome back to The Drive. I'm your host, Paul Swan, here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. It was fun to talk to Eric Bacharach just a few minutes ago from – The beat of Middle Tennessee. Of course, he covers the beat for Daily News Journal, and good catching up with him on what's happening with Middle Tennessee. I was really hoping that Middle, Western Kentucky, a few other teams in Conference USA would be their usual good self just because I think this league deserves a couple more bids. I think at least two. Two bids. I think this should be a two-bid league every year. Three would be great. I'm hoping the new scheduling will help in that regard. I'm not sure if it's just a innovative way to get people to talk about your league and then maybe you get that second one. But middle t- middle hurts right now. If you don't have a good middle in this league, I think that hurts. You need a good middle. You need a good Western Kentucky. I think those teams bring a lot from when they were coming over from the Sun Belt. You need a good Marshall. I think Marshall is a, a natural to help lead this league. As far as attention, there's an inherent interest in Marshall, not just in Huntington and the area. It's really a team that generates some interest among people across the country. And, of course, the NCAA tournament definitely helped generate more there. And I'm glad that we're seeing more being put back into basketball. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, uh, when Marshall University Athletic Director Mike Hamrick was uh, speaking uh, in Princeton, alluded to a new campaign. That's coming up, mentioning the fact that he's raised this amount of money, and now we're going to try to raise some more. And baseball could be in charge of that. And the Henderson Center is getting a a, a slight upgrade. I, I don't know what else is going to go on with it. So let me let me walk that back just a little bit. You're getting a, a, a scoreboard. You're getting a big scoreboard. You're getting an improved scoreboard that's going to increase your potential for, of course. The fan experience and, of course, revenue as well. You can make money with the scoreboard, throwing things up there for advertisers to to reach the herd crowd. Yeah, it's it's a good proposition. Now, that's just a small upgrade. You want to know what kind of upgrade they're doing in Cincinnati? Um, It's going to reopen this fall, 5th Third Arena. Cincinnati's 5th Third Arena is going to have 36 new LED video boards. And it's also going to have more than uh, 7 million LEDs among those uh, boards. 36 new LED boards, 7 million LEDs, and 5,700 square feet of displays venue-wide. The new video experience includes a 9-display center-hung LED video display with an accompanying halo ring. Four additional LED boards in the east and west upper level sideline areas. Four ring LED boards on each of the four corner pillars of the arena. Ribbon boards, both courtside and encircling the concourse seating. And the exterior LED marquee display will be on the east side of the facility. That's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see what that would look like. Now, Marshall's not in in that hemisphere just yet difference there in revenue and resources, but think of it. Maybe you're not going to get a new arena anytime soon, so what can you do to the Henderson Center to spruce? Things? Do you go all in? Do you go all in and decide, okay, we're not going to get a new arena anytime soon, so let's just LED this thing. What kind of experience would it be if you went in and just redid the Henderson Center? The concourse areas and everything. Locker rooms are pretty new, but you're going to redo everything, you know, spruce it up completely. What would you do differently if you're going to remodel the Henderson Center? That, that's sort of my project for you this week. And, yes, I'm sure I'm going to get the comment again because, uh, boy, I do like talking about facilities and building things now and then, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. I accept that because I think you could do some fun things with the Henderson Center. If you, re- What about the wall? Instead of the banners, Take the banners down and just make that one big video wall. That's probably not going to happen. But that could be a huge Lego light bright here or something. I don't know what you would do there. Let's go take our final break. We'll come back. We're joining you today from the Union Pub and Grill. We remind you, $1.50 bottles, $2.00 call shots all day, all night. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Coming back for the last segment, when we continue, uh, we'll get your phone calls in at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. More on the way. This is The Drive on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930.
1: Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN,
0: 94.1 FM and AM 930. You know, so I've been avoiding the World Cup. I'm not among the millions of you watching the World Cup. Sorry, I've been avoiding it. I unfortunately did stumble upon Mexico and Germany. I did watch a little bit of that. So I'm sorry. I'm guilty of that. But I'm not your source for World Cup soccer. But I did find a World Cup soccer story that interested me enough to talk about it. So... How would you feel if your country was so behind your team? I mean, how would you feel? You would you'd probably feel full of pride. You would be excited, overwhelmed that almost everyone in your country is supporting you and your efforts. It appears to be what's happening with Iceland right now. Iceland... Had a draw with Argentina, and I'm not even going to argue that a draw, how non exciting that is. But Iceland 99.6% of TV viewers in Iceland watch their team's World Cup game. That's how big it is right now for Iceland. I mean, they they battle to a epic 1 1 tie, a draw with Argentina. And they get a point. It was their first ever World Cup match. So their first time there, they get a point against one of the best teams in the country. A two-time World Cup champion, mind you, in Argentina. And then you get Iceland. Iceland has a... They're not a soccer country. They don't have history. Right? They're in there. United States isn't. They're there. United States not. So obviously a better soccer uh, team right now than the United States. But here's a team that shouldn't even be there. They're, they're not a soccer nation. They're there, and they just were able to play even with one of the best teams in the country, with arguably one of the best players in the game, the LeBron James of soccer, Lionel Messi. It was to the point where Messi was being guarded, defended by a guy who, you know what he did? He was a salt packer at a warehouse. That's a, that was his run-up to this soccer tournament that he's in right now. And you've got a country. Iceland has um, about 334,000 people. That's it. 334,000 people. So they shouldn't even be here. And 99.6% of all those TVs that were on, they're watching this right now. That's crazy. So... I don't know. Maybe I'm going to root for Iceland. I mean, I'm definitely not rooting for Mexico because uh, Landon Donovan told me to. Did you see this? Landon Donovan is in a, a little trouble right now because, well, if you follow any soccer news whatsoever, if you follow anything, you know that United States and Mexico are soccer rivals. These are the two teams that go after each other uh, in this portion of the world. I mean, even I knew that. And so Landon Donovan, what else has he got to do? He's got nothing to do right now. Why? Because the United States didn't make this thing. And so a lot of people kind of have fun picking on, I don't know if they're picking on the United States. I've seen the commercials. Hey, uh, won't you root for us, United States, since, uh, well, you don't have a team in, so won't you root for us? We're pretty cool too. I mean, that's, that's cool marketing. I mean, that's, that's good marketing. And if, if I'm Fox, I am definitely marketing to Mexico. I am definitely pumping them up. Because you're going to have a, a core amount of your audience. You're going to have a good group of your audience tuning in for that. Makes perfect sense here. But then you've got one of the defenders of the faith, one of the pillars of your national soccer team here, Landon Donovan here. And here's a guy. He's involved with Wells Fargo ads. Apparently not smart on his part because um, he is taking some criticism because of what he put out there. His other team is Mexico. And obviously, um, he's getting some cash. He's he's getting a little kickback. Um, Did not work out um, for him. Here is the tweet. He tweeted this out. You grew up in Southern California and owe much of your soccer skill to playing with Mexicans. Your father is of Mexican descent. Look around our country. Are you happy with how we are treating Mexicans? Open your mind. Stand for something. Remember where you came from. Um, okay. And then he puts out the picture. He's got the uh, soccer sweat uh, scarf. My other team is Mexico. Um, I don't know if this is the right guy I want representing Mexico. I don't know if this is the guy who's supposed to be a defender of the faith for United States soccer. And he's taking some criticism because well, it gets nasty between those two. Mexico, United States, uh, it's not... Uh, it's the soccer equivalent of Marshall, West Virginia, maybe? Possibly? We'll explore that further in days to come. For our producer, Gabriel Sellers, I'm Paul Swan. Thanks for everyone here taking care of us at the Union Pub and Grill, where it's $1.50 bottles and $2.00 call shots every Monday. All you have to do is get down to 1125 Fourth Avenue in Huntington. That's going to do it for this edition of the Drive. Until tomorrow, good night,
1: everyone. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.